Hi, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report, our weekly conversation about the current issues we're exposing, confronting, and changing. I'm your host, Carmen Balber, Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, and it's been a busy week on the patient safety front. Um, in a huge Los Angeles Times story, we learned that a public member of the Medical Board of California, the board charged with regulating doctors in the state, filed a whistleblower complaint with the state seeking an audit of the board because, as he has said on multiple occasions over the past year, the Medical Board of California is protecting bad doctors at the expense of patient safety. And we're really supportive of that whistleblower's efforts to improve the oversight of dangerous doctors in the state of California. But unfortunately, the medical board itself, of which he is a member, doesn't have the same point of view. Uh, the medical board met a few days ago um, after that story ran, and the president of the board, Chris, uh, Christina Lawson, opened the meeting with a complaint um, she seemed to take personal offense that anyone would question the board's intentions. Uh, so uh, I invited me uh, to join me on the podcast today, someone who testified at that meeting because her family suffered the unthinkable loss of a daughter and then was stonewalled by the medical board and um, is similarly not getting or hasn't yet gotten accountability in the legal system uh, for her death. Uh, Sandy Perez, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate you joining me. Um, I want to just open with a recording of uh, the board president Lawson at that meeting, just a brief snippet of what she said. Shockingly, it has been suggested that the medical board is not concerned about patients or patient care. This is false. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. So, uh, Sandy, I would uh, really, I would really like to get your reaction to that because you know I, she was responding to that whistleblower complaint, although she never really mentioned uh, the whistleblower by name. Uh, but I know I can speak for the tens, dozens, hundreds of patient advocates that I've known uh, who have tried to get the board to hold bad doctors accountable um, and uh, have met with no success. So I, I would be really interested in your reaction to that statement from the board president? Personally, I'm offended. Um, she has no reason to be personally offended by a whistleblower complaint. She works for the people helping patients. She's supposed to be a patient advocate for patient safety and do everything she can to including investigate her own agency if they're failing to do their job. So being personally offended by that is quite shocking. Yeah, and, and, you know, from my point of view, actions speak louder than words. And the board can say until the cows come home that they are patient advocates first and foremost, that their ultimate priority and responsibility is patient safety. But if their enforcement actions don't reflect that point of view, then it is difficult for the public to believe in the sincerity of those words. So, you know, from... From, from my point of view, their complete failure to acknowledge that the board is missing something, that the board is not doing their job when so many members of the public have come to them and complained that they didn't get answers and accountability when they came to the board is just, it represents a real blindness uh, on the part of the members of the board and obviously a failure to do their job. Um, 
And I, you know, I think your story uh, tells us so much about about those failures. So maybe it it would be a good time now to just tell us a little about uh, about your daughter Jordan um, and what happened to her um, and how the board responded. Absolutely, um, Jordan was our 17 year old daughter who passed away um, in 2018. In 2014, she got sick. She had a headache. Um, but she was playing softball and we knew she had allergies. And so we attributed it to her um, active lifestyle and the fact that she was always on the go. Motrin seemed to work uh, until it didn't. And then in December of 2014, she would shoot in pain from a one to a 10 in a matter of minutes. So we took her to the hospital upon the doctor's request and they didn't find anything wrong, suggested migraines because of a family history and sent her home. A couple weeks after that, she was unable to go to school. She was unable to eat. She couldn't hold down fluids and she was sent back to the ER. And at that point, the emergency room doctors diagnosed her with mastoid, um, my apologies, uh, with cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, which is blood clots in the brain. They transferred her to a trauma facility where they determined that it was caused by mastoiditis, an infection of the bones behind the ears, yet nobody could explain to me how that happened. Over the years, she ended up having multiple surgeries in the first six months of that diagnosis, approximately eight of them, and she continued to get worse. The blood clots came back, uh, this time in her feet, and they ignored it. They did not seek a secondary hematology consult. As a matter of fact, the doctor told me to accept a diagnosis of migraines or he would refuse to treat Jordan. And then a couple months later, she died from liver failure and abdominal compartment syndrome after a medical student who was unlicensed and not supervised sent her home saying her condition was not life-threatening, did not put her back on blood thinners and said, follow up in the clinic and let her go. And then she died two weeks later. And nobody could explain why she went from a diagnosis of migraines to passing away from liver failure. It made zero sense. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. I, I've learned a little bit about Jordan, um, and she sounds like she was a, a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal young woman. So I'm, I'm really sorry um, that your family lost her in such an inexplicable way. Um, and you learned later that, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, that she had been misdiagnosed this whole time. That is correct. She has been misdiagnosed the entire time. And I disputed the migraine diagnosis from the start. Her medical records indicate that they should have tested for blood cancer in January 2015, not even a month after she first went into the hospital. And they didn't do it until two days before she passed away. So um, in the aftermath of this, we're searching for answers. And you went to the Medical Board of California, correct? That's correct. I filed over two dozen complaints with the medical board. For the various providers um, involved in Jordan's care who dropped the ball along the way, correct? Correct. She saw multiple providers, neurology, ophthalmology, hematology, neurosurgery. They all dropped the ball. Um, so we filed complaints against them. 
I even cited, medically cited and sourced a document, uh, one of my complaints with references from the National Institute of Health, the Mayo Clinic, John Hopkins, reputable sources, and the medical board closed them all. Did they ever talk to you? Uh, did um, they ask you follow-up questions? Did they dig more into the case or was it a, a open and shut situation? Not, nobody has spoken to me other than in my public records request. I've had email communications with Jenna Jones and Alexandria Shembra. I, when I did email Jenna Jones after a year of my complaints being filed, within a week or so, all of my complaints got closed. I don't know that they were even investigated. Well, what you're talking about is what we hear from so many different families that they file a complaint um, and we know the next step when a complaint is filed is for a medical expert to uh, look at the files and decide if it's worth going any further. Um, and that is the stage at which so many families see their complaints closed without ever even experiencing an interview with someone at the medical board. So it sounds like that's exactly what happened to you. They uh, received your complaint uh, you started to bug them about it when they didn't respond in a timely manner. And only then did they respond by saying they were closing, uh, closing it without any further action. That's correct. Only one of them went to a medical consultant for review. Although the letters that I received generically state they were closed at medical consultant review, which I never received notification. They even made it that far. Well, what you're talking about is reflected in the statistics from the board that show there is a serious problem there. Of, you know, the LA Times did an analysis that uh, looked at 90,000 complaints filed at the board over the last decade or so. And of those 90,000 complaints, they acted on 3,000 of them. And out of all of those complaints, just 0.5% of them uh, ultimately ended in a license being revoked. And, you know, we're talking about cases like yours where children lost their lives because of multiple medical errors and the board refuses to step in and do its job, job and discipline dangerous doctors. So, you know, for, for the board to react with outrage that they're getting criticism and critique and, you know, their, um, their methods are being questioned is really outrageous to me. And, 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 you know, so many folks that I've talked to who have experienced what feels like complete indifference at the hands of the board. Absolutely. They are not being forthcoming and truthful that they aren't doing their job. And it seems not only are they protecting bad doctors, but they're protecting each other while working for the CMA. Yeah. So I want to just uh, make sure that we bring in the final piece of this puzzle, which is that you went to the medical board for accountability. They're supposed to be the state agency that um, that does these things, but they failed. Um, and you tried to go to the legal system. But of course, we've got a law in California that says a child's life isn't worth anything. If a child dies because of medical negligence, their life, the value of their life is capped at $250,000. It was an amount sent in 1975. It has never once been adjusted. And because of that, families like yours can't find an attorney uh, to take a medical negligence case on contingency. That's correct. I contacted over 150 attorneys up and down California, mm. and they told me while they agreed that we had a case 
of egregious medical negligence, there was no business opportunity for them to take it. It did not make business sense or economic sense to them because of the 1975 micro cap of $250,000. And so you have an attorney now, but you're paying for everything out of pocket. That is correct. I pay as we go uh, for every motion, every meeting with that attorney, every deposition. We've been paying as we are moving through the legal system. We hired this attorney. We were already one year in from initial filing when we hired him. And I still continue to work and support um, our case to help minimize my costs, but we are paying for it. And, you know, the the end result of such a system is that so many people can't afford, I mean, honestly, I'm sure you can't afford to pay these costs out of pocket either, but you're finding a way. Um, so many families uh, haven't been able to find a way, and so it means the courtroom door, um, as well as any sort of state regulatory accountability, are just completely denied uh, families uh, who go through what yours has. That's true. And there is not justice for all. And so therefore, our justice system is not fair and is certainly not equal. Well, um, the one thing I'm glad for, Sandy, is that we were connected because of this issue, because you've been such a strong advocate for uh, the initiative that's going to change this, uh, the Fairness for Injured Patients Act, uh, that we qualified for the ballot next November uh, that will finally update this cap after almost 50 years of no increase for inflation and say when a child di uh, dies, a judge and a jury get to decide uh, what uh, the value of that child's life was, what the case is worth. That's correct. And the Fairness Act will allow everybody's life to be equal and have meaning and have worth. That's the biggest thing is the current law is set that children, elderly, people of color, disabled, their worth is far less when that that's not even true. That's not reality. And our current law does not reflect that. So I'm proud to support the Fairness Act. Well, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for testifying at the medical board uh, this week. I know they they took some action, and we'll we'll have to save uh, save what they did on other fronts for another for another podcast. But I, I really appreciate all of your advocacy, and you know, wish you well in the case. Thank you. I'm um, I'm looking forward to see what the medical board does with the advocacy that we're bringing, and hopefully, we can continue to bring about some real change and protect patients. Well, thank you for joining me, um, and I want to let our listeners know uh, that they can uh, learn a little bit more about Jordan, um, see some photos, watch a video about her um, at our new uh, Patient for Fairness Coalition website, patientsforfairness.org backslash Jordan Perez uh, to read Jordan's story. So folks can go there, uh, learn more about her, share her story um, online. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carmen Balber, and this has been the Rage for Justice Report.